This is the Strategic GC, Gartner's General Counsel Podcast. It's been a bad 12 months for the reputation of corporate boards. We've had catastrophic bank failures, high-profile CEO firings, and ethical lapses by corporate executives. In fact, recent Gartner research finds that only 50% of boards are effective. So is the modern corporate board fit for purpose, or are these long-standing problems that have gone unchecked? And what can the general counsel do to help? With me to answer some of these questions is Gartner expert, Elisa Lugro. Welcome, Elisa. Hi, Laura. I'm so uh, excited to be here to talk about the new research. Tell us a bit about your background and how you became interested in studying corporate board effectiveness. Sure. So I'm an analyst here at Gartner, uh, which means that I had the pleasure of speaking with our GC, corporate secretary, and C-suite clients about a wide range of corporate governance issues and challenges. And then prior to joining Gartner, I actually was a partner in a national law firm where I advise clients on corporate governance and securities issues. So corporate governance has been my bread and butter for 15 plus years since graduating from law school. So as we kicked off, I made the case that there's been a recent run in bad board performance. So let's start with a straightforward question. Why do you think this is happening? And maybe we could talk about an example that's been in the news. Sure. Yeah. I think with respect to why this is happening, organizations are operating in a highly fragmented regulatory environment. And, and then on top of that, you have stakeholders who are putting more and more demands on organizations. Boards are having to lead organizations through these challenges. And so it's really become more imperative that organizations have solid, effective boards. And I think one great example that probably all of us are aware of from recent news is the example of Silicon Valley Bank. And I mean, wow, a total bank collapse in 48 hours, essentially. And so when you start thinking about maybe what went wrong, there are probably a few drivers that would relate to ineffective board oversight and just an overall ineffective board. SVB's board let the bank operate without a chief risk officer for almost a year. And this is despite what some are saying is an apparent lack of risk management expertise among directors. That sounds like a long time. Yeah, for almost a year. And the board's risk committee included lots of directors with great business experience. And there was a consultant, a retired CIO, a venture capitalist, a vineyard owner. But there really wasn't anyone on the risk committee or the board with the right expertise to help management ask the right questions about the, the bank's risk exposure. And so you essentially had a lack of executive accountability and oversight. And this is what really makes a board effective. And that's what they were lacking. I mean, driving board effectiveness is clearly a challenge. What is the role of the general counsel in navigating this? 
Yeah, so I think that this is board effectiveness is well within GC's terrain. They have a lot of influence to help boards become more effective. There's really, based on our recent survey data, I would say that there are two big drivers on board effectiveness, and it's the quality of directors and then their social dynamics, and then also the board's access to quality information. And GC, they help search and recruit for directors, and they help prepare the information that's given to the the board prior to meetings and at the meetings. So that's a lot to do. Let's unpack each of those two steps um, one by one. Perhaps we could start with the, how do you get better directors? I mean, what do you hear from companies in terms of how organizations can get better directors? You really have to kind of start with your search and recruitment efforts to really identify those A plus directors and bring them on board. And where GC really struggle, uh, I think, are two two points. Uh, one, it's really time consuming to go out and search, identify, recruit, bring these uh, bring these directors on board. And then I think it's also challenging because there are some what what I would say kind of unicorn directors where. They have a special skill set that everyone is looking for, and there's only a limited number of people that are serving as directors or want to serve as directors, and so everyone's trying to bring them onto their boards. Um, I can give you an example from when I practiced. Sure. One, a client that I worked with, they actually started having conversations with prospects a year before they actually would nominate these candidates to be a director. Well, wow, that's really organized. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it really it, it the the time frame allowed the board members and management to have multiple conversations and interviews. They could conduct background checks. They could get comfortable with what the director could could offer to the board. Uh, they actually even in some cases would bring the candidate on as an advisory board member. So. They wouldn't be voting or anything like that, but they could attend meetings and they could contribute or share ideas with the existing directors. This is almost this is a whole recruiting strategy, in other words. Is is that what you mean? Yeah, it's a, it's a recruiting strategy. Figuring out, I think, essentially, one how they how the board wants to recruit directors. Are they is it going to be kind of more word of mouth? Are they going to be asking directors and management to share names or industry contacts or other people that they knew that they know that may be a good fit? Or are they also going to try to bring in uh, third party search, uh, executive search firms to help them identify candidates? So that's kind of, I would say, the first step. And then okay. the second step, I would say, is really think about what you want your board to look like, what kind of skills you want your directors to have know what you want the end game to be so that you can kind of slowly be making progress. What about rotating members off the board? I I would imagine it's not so easy to ask directors to leave. How can the general council manage that challenge? Well, I think board refreshment strategies uh, is, is challenging. A lot of directors are older and they typically kind of take on directorships after they retire from 
their longstanding job as a CEO or CFO or something like that. So these directors have great experience, great business experience, and they like to still be able to contribute uh, once they've kind of retired from their nine to five. So one thing I I think that kind of takes it out from being so personal is to adopt some refreshment type policies, either through establishing term limits, which means that directors would only be able to serve for X number of years before they automatically would would not be a candidate to be renominated to the board. And then you can also institute mandatory retirement age policies. So I think right now the average age for mandatory retirement age policies is 75. So that's still that's still older, but uh, it would at least establish kind of the threshold and it, it, it's applied to everyone. So it's a little bit more fair and, and maybe not taken so personal if, if you didn't have those kind of strategies and then asking people to step off the board when, when they really don't want to. Right. So if the rules are in place, you can just have the rule. You can say the rules are the rules and it's not personal, as you said. Exactly. Got it. Um, the other finding from there that I thought was particularly interesting was the need to create better social dynamics. How do you create uh, social dynamics when when folks are in the boardroom or do you have to do it with directors outside of the boardroom? Find ways to get your board members to engage with each other outside of the boardroom. Uh, recently, we had a client share with us that when their board attends the organization's largest fundraiser, the GC actually arranges for all of the directors to ride a bus together to and from the event. It's kind of a funny concept, but when you're sitting next to someone on a bus, you generally end up talking to them about all sorts of random things that you may not talk to the person about inside the boardroom. I've also had clients uh, arrange for facility tours and so that directors can meet with employees and other people throughout the organization in a different way and then schedule lunches and dinners with with directors to kind of recap what each of them saw and and how that might relate to the work that they're doing in the boardroom. So that's another kind of ideas. Well, let's get to the second finding from that study about information packets. Can you talk about why that is so important and maybe talk about some examples that you've heard of best practices in this area? Sure. So board packets usually is going to contain all of the information that directors need uh, to fulfill their oversight responsibilities. So it's going to be reports from certain business units, or it's going to be information about maybe an acquisition target that, that the management has identified and that they want the board to approve. Everything that the directors kind of need to know about what's going on is going to be included in the board packets. Now, the problem with board packets is either one, directors are not getting enough information or the right information, or two, they're getting too much information without the uh, the context that is needed for why they're getting this information and what the directors are being asked to do about the information that they're getting. All right, so it's either too hot, too cold. How, how do you make an information packet that's just right? So one tip that we we love is uh, to make sure that you're including executive summaries with kind of your reports or other information. 
But why is that important? It's providing the context of why the directors need to know it, uh, what what management's recommendations or insights are on the information, and then uh, really what action is the board being asked to take on it. So is it just for informational purposes or is the board being asked to approve something or make a change for something uh, like corporate strategy or something like that? Do you have other tips? I mean, is there a way to standardize some of these reports? Uh, we always love for GCs to kind of work with the board chair and management to adopt some guidelines on what board package should look like. So what kind of information, how much detail of information do directors want to get? Um, how, how are all of the executive presentations going to be framed? We love the use of dashboards because it's really uh, easy for directors to get high-level information and see right away what's changed, uh, if a risk profile has changed, if there if action needs to be taken. And so it's a, it's a great way to kind of convey all that information in a simplified uh, format. What if you get some pushback from executives? What, what if they've always been doing it a certain way and they don't want to change the way they make their presentation? One idea I think that is effective is these executives need to hear from the stakeholders, which in this case are the directors, that they are looking for the information to be presented in a different way. So instead of having the GC just say, hey, this is what we're going to do, it the GC can say, hey, we conducted some board evaluations this year. Uh, one of the running themes is that the directors are not happy with how we are providing them with uh, pre-read materials, or they're not happy with the executive presentations. Um, or I'm hearing after meetings that directors feel like we're wasting too much time because the, the materials are not organized or the executive is trying to hit all, all of the great things that his or her team have worked on this past quarter, but really we didn't have time to get into the, the items that relate to strategy. So I think really trying to have the voice come from the directors is, is key and getting executives to to come around and, and see the benefit in, in making these changes. Right. So that way, the general counsel is just the messenger, if you will, uh, saying, hey, this is what directors want because executives want to keep the directors happy, right? Yes, exactly. A couple of uh, things before we wrap up here. How how critical is it for the general counsel to do both of these things? I mean, we're talking about director quality. We're talking about quality of information packets. Is it important? Is, is this a recipe? Is it important to, to have both of these ingredients? So for board effectiveness, uh, both of these are the uh, the biggest drivers. Now, our, our survey results did show that having quality directors and having good social uh, dynamics is uh, more important than than pretty much everything else. And I think that comes back to kind of when you think about high quality versus low quality directors. If you have high quality directors, you can pretty much rest assured that they know what they're doing and they're going to do the right job regardless of kind of everything else. How can general counsel monitor improvement? How can um, they make sure that what they're trying to do is having an impact? So I think looking at uh, the board discussions at the meetings, are they diving 
into issues right away. That would signal to me that they are preparing and that they're getting the right information and the pre-reads. Are they pressure testing management? That would signal to me that they have the right experience and skills to be able to do that, that they know enough about the topic, that the board has uh, good social dynamics among themselves to you know, push back on management's assumptions and, and hold executives a- accountable. So before we go, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but given some of the high profile failures we've had in the news, do you think that boards are becoming wise to this? Boards are now responsible for overseeing ESG programs or boards are now thinking about AI or cybersecurity issues or, I mean, we have a lot of geopolitical tensions throughout the world. I think because of the expansion of what the board is going to be responsible for overseeing. I think that uh, overall people are paying attention and uh, realizing that the only way that you can have the board effectively expand what they are overseeing is if you have those good foundational governance practices in place. Well, on that note, let's hope. <laughs> yes. yes. I mean, here, here at Gardner, we're definitely keeping an eye on it. Um, but thank you very much, Alisa. This has been very insightful. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Those were useful insights from Alisa. Another part of board oversight is risk management. We touch on this in Gartner Business Quarterly, our journal for C-suite leaders and their teams. With me now to talk about this is Steve Shapiro, a principal here at Gartner. Welcome, Steve. Thanks, Laura. So there's a disconnect between how much risk companies are willing to take overall and how much risk they take in innovation. What's the right approach here? That's right. So Gartner expert Peter Skidegard notes that two-thirds of directors say that their organization is going to take on more risk in pursuit of growth. Yet only 16% are willing to accept a high level of risk when it comes to innovation. So what's the right approach here? So there's five things he notes that can be done. One, just don't go after money. Your range of innovation objectives should include non-financial business priorities. Two, commit budget without asking for ROI. Think about success in terms of tangible outcomes rather than financial metrics. Three, don't abuse the F word, that being failure. Make sure your organization is learning from its experiments. Four, know when to stop acting like an innovator. Enable promising ideas to cross the credibility threshold by managing them professionally when they mature. And finally, Don't let innovators take the idea to the finish line. Help the business take ownership of ideas and scale them up. Thank you, Steve. And you can read more about these insights and others in our latest edition of Gartner Business Quarterly, out now. Thank you, Steve. Until next time, join us for the Strategic GC, Gartner's podcast for general counsel. Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company, equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. 
Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of business and technology. This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations.